0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back. It's been a while to the Reaching the Summit College Basketball Podcast. Uh, my name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod, and I'm joined by
1: Zach Dosh. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. Greg Steeman. You can find me on Twitter at
2: Greg Steeman. And by the way, Todd, thanks for doing this. Uh, uh, Zach and I are really appreciative of you putting this podcast together. We've done it for a while now and we're just excited about the direction it's going.
1: Yeah. Just so everybody understands how this kind of goes, Todd puts everything together and Greg and I just kind of show up and just kind of fire up. That's basically how it goes.
0: They make it seem like this is hours and hours of work or something. Um, I can promise, in case my employers ever listen, this is just a hobby. Um, I, I, I do not, uh, you know, sneak away for four hours a day at work or something and put together podcasts. But uh, I appreciate that, guys. I th- this, uh, I've said this before on the podcast, but it, this started as something for me to do to go to games with my two boys for something that we could that was close enough to drive, really. And somehow it ended up in this. So uh, so here we are. Um, I wanted to start out with just a little bit of not actually not a lot has changed since the last time we were on um, on the podcast airwaves or whatever you want to call it. Um, we had last podcast, Oral Roberts, and went to the Sweet 16, which is the longest a team has went in the NCAA tournament from the Summit League, um, a shot away and a good shot away from going to the Elite, elite Eight. And really, with those top four teams, not a whole lot has changed. You've got North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Oral Roberts, and and then even Western Illinois, if you consider them the fourth best team, uh, Kansas City could be in there as well. Not a lot of change, especially with the top players. Really, the only top player for any of those four teams not coming back is Kevin O'Banner. Uh, so a lot of change with teams after that, but not a lot of changes at the top. Another... New addition to the Summit League, we've talked about it a little bit last year, but St. Thomas joins from the MIAC, uh, which is is in Minnesota, a, a team out of St. Paul. And they joined. We'll have a lot more on the podcast with both those top four teams and, and the lack of changes and um, St. Thomas joining. But anything you guys want to chime in on those two topics just in general?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, on the on those top four teams, it's a lot about uh, using that extra year of eligibility. Uh, Those top four teams did it very well. They're bringing pretty much everybody, everybody back. That's why they're so good. And everybody below them had pretty significant roster turnover for very different reasons. But those top four, the reason why they're the top four is obviously they have the best players, but they also return everybody. And then for St. Thomas, you know, uh, here we go. You know, it's, they've been talking about this for a long time, but it's here. And uh, they had a little movement with their uh, roster. I think probably the biggest difference between last time we talked to now, Jarvis O'Meara was expected to be on their team. I don't think he made it onto campus. That's a, that's a huge problem for St. Thomas. They're obviously a little light in the front court. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a fun year to watch him play.
2: Yeah, Zach, you make some really good points. And I think uh, going back to the super senior, I mean, the, the, this whole COVID area thing, uh, when you look at what SDSU and NDSU, especially, were able to to bring back, that's really impactful. And and Todd, you mentioned the loss of Kevin O'Banner. I look at it and I go, O'Banner oh, is so god darn good. That's a big loss. Even though ORU oh, and we visited with uh, with Coach Mills and talked, you know, and he was ecstatic about the group he has coming back. O'Banner oh, is still a big loss for them. Uh, with sdsu and ndsu really not losing anybody you know for this for, for lack of a better uh, term i i think it's gonna be interesting and, and, and those guys at the top of the league are gonna be really fun to follow and so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really enjoyable as far as the St. Thomas thing I couldn't agree more St. Thomas coming into the league it puts so much pressure on the teams that usually or or, or normally had hit the Twin Cities area, the North Dakota states, the South Dakota states, the Northern Iowas. all of a sudden St. Thomas becomes an amazing amazingly attractive option for so many of those kids and I don't think I, I'm not sure about this year. It was hard for me to move St. Thomas up those rankings in the preseason but at the same time, without question, they are going to become an impactful member. Uh, of the of the Summit League, and, and I think all three of us are really
1: looking forward to seeing what they can do. You no, know, it's interesting. You know, I watched a lot of Division Three, a lot of Division Two, a lot of Division One basketball, and honestly, the skill level is very similar amongst all the different levels. You know, the guards in Division Three, they're about you know five ten to six feet. Division Two, they're about six two maybe six three. Division One, they are six, five, six, six, 215 pounds. And I think things like that are is going to be where we see the biggest difference between St. Thomas and like an NDSU. I mean, St. NDSU starts what six 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 five. I mean, who knows? They could start. I mean, six seven. <laughs> you know, and 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 St. Thomas is going to be basically six feet, six feet, six feet. Uh, nice players, but how does that work out? Front front uh, courts still a little bit of a problem, but it's it's really going to be fun to watch and. And how about us, including uh, Western Illinois in the top four? I mean, you'd, uh, if you'd asked us two years ago, I don't think we'd be having this conversation, but what a job Coach Sheeter's done, huh, guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people might forget where they were at two years ago and and in basically one year to, tr- to be mentioned there at all. And maybe really, I mean, you guys maybe have even been around the Summit League a little bit longer than me, but have they ever been – mentioned even in the top four i mean it it really is it's been a while it's probably almost close to mid-continent days that that they're
2: i I agree todd and i i would guess i'm gonna guess that zach will agree which zach and i seldom agree on anything (laughs) but (laughs) so much of it involves the transfer portal and Mm -hmm. who works the transfer portal who can get guys in and and i think that's one of the intriguing things about our league coming up this season is who went out there and found the guys that can really fill some needed spots. Um, no question. Coach Jeter did that. Uh, we'll continue to do that. And I think a number of other coaches within the summit league will do that as well.
1: Right. And just goes to show you how quickly you can bounce back. You know, we have a couple yep. of teams in the conference kind of trying to do what Western Illinois did last year. You know, you, you look at maybe Omaha, or UND, or certainly Denver, trying to rebuild quickly, maybe you can short-circuit that three-year rebuild into one year if you sort of catch lightning in a bottle. And I think the biggest thing with Western Illinois, they have the culture, man. Those guys play so hard. Very similar to Kansas City, you know, things like that. They were trying different combinations of players all the time. And down the stretch, they started to find something that clicked. Obviously, Will Wicarius was playing really well. Colton Sandage was, was playing, got moved to the point guard spot and they kind of found something there. And um, so it's going to be fun. Uh, it, it, there's going to be probably less parody in the conference this year than there was last year, but uh, still no shortage on fun though. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. And, and back to, to St. Thomas, this is nothing I, by the time they're tournament eligible, I think they'll be competing right <laughs> with the top of the league. I really do. I don't know if everyone realizes how good the state of Minnesota is at uh, producing basketball recruits and how unique it is that they have one division one program until this year. There's the, the available resources, both financially for that school and just in prospects in their own backyard is hard to replicate. And so they will be up there by the time they're tournament eligible. I just think this year they're the easiest to pick as the as the 10th team and then that isn't even a slight on them uh, at all I, no one has ever done what they're about to do and I think it's to Jack to Zach's point about guards that are six six versus six foot it's just a, it's just a level of athlete that they haven't been up against.
2: Todd you make a great point and I just I think St. Thomas is is so well positioned in this league and I'll go back to Tom Dupel who's retiring he's going to leave that was one of his best moves was to get St. Thomas into this league without question. It gets the Summit League an expanded presence in the Twin Cities. And it also allows a team like St. Thomas to come in, much to the chagrin of, of probably a number of different programs to compete for the athletes they normally compete for. Um, it, 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 it certainly adds to this to this league. And, and, and the simple thing, which I'm great with, is the simple stuff. We get to a ten-team league. We get to a Thursday-Saturday scheduling situation, uh, a consistency which will, I without a doubt, in my opinion, improve attendance in this league uh, because people can, in, in this day and age of so many different things going on, when people can say Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to lock those in. Those are Summit League basketball nights, and and with the mirror schedule, scheduling with the women's league, uh, it's you know every community has a Thursday and Saturday night appointment locked in. I think that's going to help attendance without question. And I'm so glad uh, because Zach and I, we both broadcast in this league. It's it's always nice to know, is it a Wednesday? Is it a Thursday? Is it a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday? Um, we know right now, you know, when it's going to be. And and that's what's, I, I think that's really important. But uh, let, let's not ever, let's not question the impact that St. Thomas can have over the course of the next five years without question.
1: Well, and this is, stuff. this is why we follow recruiting, right? Gentlemen. I mean, we can see stuff happening before it actually gets here. St. Thomas's recruiting class next year. Easily the best in the summer league, like easily. They have what some, some recruiting sites would consider the 99th player in the nation. You know, the hats on the table when he committed were Stanford and Kansas. Yeah. Uh, where they commit, you know, bottom line is the kid can play he's a six nine guy that plays like a guard uh that's just a tremendous step up in talent uh from their current roster which is obviously built under different circumstances but they're gonna battle like they have kids that can play they're gonna win games this year like nobody's gonna take them for granted i mean yeah it's gonna be an uphill battle for them but they are gonna win games this year it's not gonna be a scenario where they win like maybe one conference game I, i think they are gonna pick some people off particularly at home. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. well supported there too. So, uh, you know, the, the, the second night of those, of those, uh, Thursday, Saturday games, things like that. So, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be right there. And, you know, if these teams want to get their, uh, their, their pound of flesh and they better get it this year because even next year, you know, reinforcements are arriving soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, selfishly, I, the chances of watching in-person 10 summit league games for me, just changed with with St. Thomas yeah. coming in. It's a forty five yeah. minute drive for me up the highway um, versus you know four or five hours that it was in places before. Um, so it, yeah, it great move, great team to add, and really exciting for the league. I think it just lifts everything up, especially in a couple of years. It will lift the league up in, in general. One last change that we have this year is is one new coach, Coach Jeff Woburn joins uh, the Denver squad after being an assistant at Stanford and uh, his first head coaching job at the division one level. I think in fact, his first head coaching job since uh, a high school stint several years ago. And we have an interview interview with coach Wobrun, uh that will play in just a couple of minutes though. I wanted to mention one thing that I did not bring up in the interview, just the grind uh, It's 61 years old first head coaching job an assistant for years up until then. I was, I'm just so impressed. You have to love basketball to, to, to wait for your shot that, that long. And then another thing that I just took away from the interview itself is there's the transfer portal and the way teams in the summit league can get better. And he even said there freshman recruits that they can get now that they would have never been able to get before because the transfer portal exists. So, Just It was a really fun interview, and I don't know if you guys want to mention anything you took away from the interview before we jump into it, or we could just jump into it, too.
2: Well, quickly, Todd, you bring up some really important things. Um, The transfer portal, portal, they have taken amazing advantage of it in Denver. The second thing is, I I just look at the Stanford model compared to the, the Denver model. I think it's an easy transition for Coach Wilburn. Yeah, You know, they're a private school. They they do focus on academics. I'm not saying any other institutional league doesn't focus on, on academics, but Denver Denver and Stanford have some similarities that that I have to believe made Coach Wilburn extremely attracted to the opportunity at Denver for. And it seems like he's really taken advantage of it to, to bring some kids in. And so it's gonna be exciting to watch. And you know, you talk about it, sixty one years old. Um, and his first opportunity as head coach, uh, in our visit with him, uh, I'll tell you what, the gentleman was was first class and seems like a, an easy guy to like if you're a recruit. And He seems like a guy that knows what he's looking for, and Stanford has some, some success without question. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And so uh, I really enjoyed the interview and the chance that we had to visit with Coach Wilburn.
1: You know, to me, um you know, what we saw at Western Illinois with coach Jeter. I think the thing that really stood out to me at that situation is he had a clear vision in his mind of what this program needed to be, how it needed to be structured, where they needed to recruit, what type of player they needed to recruit, how this all comes together. They have a very crystal clear picture in their mind of what that looks like. And that's what I think coach Wilbert has from this. You know, he knows what Denver is because he kind of came from it. Um, like you said, Greg, every college emphasizes academics. I think all the coaches do a really good job of that, but Denver, it's just sort of the card that they have to play. Right. You know, and so, and sometimes can say, sometimes people can say, well, geez, you know, that means I can't recruit every kid out there. Well, that also means that there are going to be some kids that are going to be naturally predisposed to wanting to come and play for you too. So I can kind of give you a leg up. So, um, I think he kind of has all his arms around all that and knows how to craft that message and really put that team together in his vision. And um, I expect there to be a bounce back too. I, I think, uh, you know, like we talked about, maybe a little less parity this year, but there's, there's going to be a greater battle at the bottom of the conference though. So um, I don't think they're going to be a pushover either. I expect them to bounce back pretty quickly as well.
2: I agree with you. And Todd, I'm just going to jump in here quickly. Um, Zach makes some great points. And and at the same time, it's interesting when you look at it from from our perspective, we've had a chance, Zach and I have had a chance to evaluate from internally within the, the league. Western Illinois and Denver are two different types of programs. And at the same time, I don't know that Western Illinois and Denver could have hired better coaches for their situation. Uh, mm-hmm. What Coach Sheeter has done with Western Illinois and how he's utilized their, their program, their location, and, and, and their expectations. And at the same time, Coach Wilburn with Denver and their program and their expectations. I, I'm ecstatic when we bring good new coaches into the league. It only makes the rest of the league get better. So, uh, Zach, couldn't, couldn't agree with, with, with what you talked about more.
1: Only bad thing is it sounds like they're still on the altitude network, right? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to find a way to watch those games, but maybe get a little creative. We'll see.
0: Well, without further further ado, we'll go to the interview with Coach Woburn, and then we'll come back with a another little segment, and then kind of be done for the day. the The interview went long, as as Greg said, he was a joy to talk to, so we kept talking. Um, so we'll go to that interview, and then we'll jump back in with a little bit more Summit League and. And go from there. Well, everybody, we've got two special guests with us on the podcast today. We've got newly appointed head coach of D- University of Denver, Jeff Wilbrun, and SID Chris Smith joining us. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen.
3: Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate all you do for the Summit
4: League.
0: Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. So I'll jump in first. And this question is for you, coach. The first division one head coaching opportunity, the job at Denver opens up, what drew you to that job? And why, did that, why was that job a perfect fit for you in your first opportunity as a D1 head coach?
3: Yeah, um, Todd, it was. And uh, the reasons uh, for that, I really enjoyed my last five years at Stanford. I um, uh, really enjoyed the type of student athlete that I was able to work with there. Uh, we were able to, obviously, the working for a prestigious academic institution like Stanford, we were able to recruit high character, high integrity young men. And the best way that I like to phrase it, Todd, is that uh, these were young men who were chasing excellence in all that they did. Uh, they, they wanted to be NBA players, and in the last several years, we had a lot of those But they also wanted to leave their mark uh in other ways in life they wanted to be the best teammates they could be the best sons the best um the best brothers um uh, they wanted to hit the ball out of the park in the classroom they wanted to take advantage of opportunities uh, from an educational standpoint as well so for all of those reasons that i enjoyed stanford so much I looked at the University of Denver and I saw a prestigious academic institution, one that had a lot of things in common. We had academic standards that we needed to recruit to just like we did at Stanford. And I thought all the things that I liked at Stanford, I could do and implement here at the University of Denver. Uh, We've implemented a a set of core values that goes hand in hand with the type of young men that we're able to recruit uh, here at the University of Denver. Um, uh, it's uh, it's really gone well, and <clears throat> I would tell you, my staff's done an incredible job. Uh, we came here; we've been here four and a half months now, and in the first three months we were here, we signed nine players, which is just an incredible amount of work. But I, I think that the greatest thing is, aside from being good basketball players, these nine guys are great fits for the University of Denver. They're great fits for my basketball program high character, high integrity young men, uh, uh, people, young people who understand uh, the academic mission of the university, they're great fits for the academic mission at the University of Denver. So uh, all of these things align for me. And I and I think getting back to answering your question, um, it all of the things that I enjoyed so much the past five years at Stanford, I thought were a natural fit and I could implement here at the University of Denver.
1: Coach, I think, um, you know, this whole situation is is really interesting. There's been a lot of discussion about just how, you know, I guess, quote unquote, good this Denver job is. And I've always been of the opinion that, you know, obviously tremendous location, you're right in the middle of a thriving city, you know, in in terms of recruiting territory, you're not bumping into the other schools in the conference. I think it checks a lot of boxes, obviously a really high academic institution. Yes, you may not be able to recruit every single player out there, but there are also a lot of players that are seeking out this type of an experience too. Mm-hmm. So I always thought it was really kind of interesting. I always felt like it was a sleeping giant. It's, it's much different than some of the other schools in the conference, and for that reason, I think there is sort of natural advantage that you can really embrace. And then when I heard they were going after a Stanford assistant coach, I said, oh, there you go. That makes a heck of a lot of sense. Well,
3: you know, the one thing at Stanford, we didn't have any geographic geographic limitations. Uh, we were able to go where the great students and the great basketball players were. And uh, sometimes that was on the East Coast, sometimes in the South, sometimes on the West Coast, many times internationally. And we've done the same thing here at the University of Denver. Um, I mean, we have tapped into about every market that we possibly can. And from a recruiting standpoint, we have three international players that we signed since we've been here. Uh, We had three graduate transfers uh, that we've signed we have a junior college All-American that's joined us. We have a prep school player and a high school player. So nine players from a variety of different, uh, uh, different avenues. So uh, I, would, uh, I would agree with what you said that uh, uh, if you want to call Denver a sleeping giant, uh, uh, it has tremendous potential. Uh, we, we represent a great academic institution. We represent a great me- major metropolitan area. Uh, all things which were, are appealing um, and, and we have no geographic limitations.
1: Reed Travis's recruitment out of Minneapolis too. You're not afraid of the min- Midwest, right? That seemed to go over well.
3: Hey, Reed and Tyrell Terry, right? A yep, couple of Minnesota of kids. Giovanni uh, yep. on our team is from the Minnesota yep. area. Short trip, yep. right?
1: That's right.
3: So, Coach, so how much... Talk- uh,
1: yeah, go-, go ahead, Greg.
2: Well, I was just going to ask, uh, Coach, you come into the Summit League, and, um, you know, postseason success is, isn't completely foreign to some of the teams in this league. You, you obviously look at Oral Roberts' run last year and uh, North Dakota State a couple of different times has been able to uh, garner some wins in the tournament. So how much of, you know, the, the job itself obviously in Denver has great appeal and, and that's understandable, but how about the Summit League itself? Is there, are there things about the league that you're familiar with or do you still have a lot to learn about it? Kind of, what are your thoughts on the league?
3: Um, what I would tell you is I, I have a great respect for the league itself. I have great respect for the coaches in the league um, to address uh, your question. I, I do have a lot to learn. Haven't gone through a, a league season yet uh, to have a f- good understanding in terms of style of play. And um, But uh, tremendous respect for the conference. What Paul Mills did um, this past year at Oral Roberts, uh, you know, what a shot in the arm for the conference. We're all proud of that. You know, now that I'm affiliated with the Summit League, great respect for what he's accomplished and great respect for the tradition and the history of the conference. So uh, what what I would tell you, from my standpoint, the fact that Denver uh, honestly hasn't participated uh, in that postseason success, that's part of the appeal to me. You know, I, I've I've said many times uh, since I've been at the University of Denver that I think as a coach you're a builder or you're a sustainer. You're trying to sustain success that the program has had, or you're trying to build it to a level that the program has never been at or hasn't been at in a very long period of time. And if you look back into my previous coaching stops, it's it's a lot of stops like that where we've we've built a program to a level it hadn't been at in a long time. So certainly that's my hope and that's my appeal here at the University of Denver. I think what's really cool is, uh, and, and quite honestly, this has been, you know, my conversation with the recruits that we've signed. You have an opportunity to come to the University of Denver and do something that's never been done before. You know, we haven't played in a Division One NCAA tournament. We haven't won the Summit League. And uh, granted, we haven't been in the Summit League a long period of time, but those are things that you can come here and, and you can put your name on. Uh, you can have a, lo- a level of success in this program that has never been achieved before. And see, to me, that's really appealing. And I-, I found nine players this year who also found that appealing. Sounds great.
0: Coach, Coach, just to go into a little bit with the nine new players, you know, most of us who cover the Summit League know a little bit about Tristan Green, Giovanni Bickham, uh, the-, the group that was there previously. Anything we should know about those, you got three international recruits that are all freshmen, I believe, three division one transfers and a Juco guy and and some other players in there and some other freshmen as well. Anything we should know about those players or somebody that might jump out at us when we watch Denver for the first time?
3: Yeah, I hope they all do. uh, To be honest with you, I I think they will all be contributors. I think they all have, have an opportunity this year to be contributors, significant contributors to our team. So we uh, basically the, the quick makeup on the team is we have four returning scholarship players plus two walk-ons, and then we've recruited nine new players. And as you've said, uh, as we looked at that uh, and what we needed to do to be successful and, and quite honestly, my, uh, my approach as, we, as we, my staff and I took over this job, was we wanna be competitive in year one. Uh, this is not a three-year program, a five-year program. And the portal um, and yeah. what, it, what it offers, you know, with 1600 players who are looking to transfer, uh, the timing was good from our standpoint uh, to go out and get some players that we felt were a good fit for our program, academically, culturally, and from a basketball standpoint. So one of the necessary ingredients for sure was experience. I'm looking on at this team. We don't have a great deal of experience. And with KJ Hunt and Mikey Hen and Peyton Moore, those are our three graduate transfers. Uh, these are three guys who are 22 or 23 years old. They've had four years of major college basketball experience. They've competed and had success at a high level. Last year, KJ Hunt was the point guard at Moorhead State <clears throat> Moorhead won the regular season conference championship in the Ohio Valley Conference. They won the conference tournament. Uh, KJ led his team to the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Moorhead State was 18-2 and two when KJ started at the point guard uh, for them. So, uh, you know, and what, what an important position, you know, for a team that's uh, that's looking to be competitive to, to go out and get an elite level point guard, which we feel like we've we've done that with KJ and his experience. Mikey Hen. Uh, Mikey played at the University of Portland last year. He's a career 40 percent three point shooter at six foot eight. Uh, the way we play with our style of play. I like my bigs facing the basket a lot. I like to have them perimeter threats. Uh, Mikey is all of that. Uh, so he gives us a prove, proven experienced three-point shooter. But, uh, and then, then the last graduate transfer is Peyton Moore. Peyton from Rice. And uh, Peyton graduated Rice in three years. You know, another um, testament that he's a great academic fit here at the University of Denver. They'll be working on a, a business, uh, a master's degree in business while he's here. Um, but, uh, and strangely enough, the way the the COVID rules are and, and at current NCAA rules, all three of those graduate transfers have two years of eligibility coming up for us, which is a real shot in the arm. So, <clears throat> from an experience standpoint, and I would also tell you a leadership standpoint, we're really leaning on those guys hard. Um, you know, they they understand what it takes. Uh, Peyton uh, competed in the very very good conference USA for three years. He was a significant player and contributor to the teams at Rice. I told you KJ's story and, and Mikey Hinn, you know, again, four years, uh, major college experience. So uh, that combined with the four players that return uh, from the previous uh, uh, staff, and uh, I think they'll give us some experience. And then we've gone out and we've, we've brought in who we think are some very, very talented freshmen. And uh, I, I guess the, the one player who's not a freshman is a junior college player, uh, Jordan Johnson, Uh, Jordan played junior college ball in Hines, Mississippi last year and was a junior college All-American. I think probably one of the few players in the country at any level that averaged 20 points and seven assists a game. Uh, So you're looking at an elite level shooter, uh, elite level playmaker, passer, um, you know, Jordan's a player with a a year, actually has two years of junior college experience under his belt, Um, you know, uh, will be another significant contributor.
1: Coach, uh, appreciate the breakdown of your roster there. Maybe take a step back and kind of help us understand how you go about finding these players. I always find it really fascinating. I mean, you look at the background that you have put together here, some high school, some junior college, some international, some transfers, some existing staff. So, so how do you go about finding these players? And, and, and you talked about it so many times, but profiling and finding the right fit for the university and your program, how do you go about doing all this? This. There's so much information, so many players out there. How do you sift through all of it and find the right ones for you?
3: Yeah, Zach, I think that's a great question, and, and I would tell you uh, that probably started with the fact that I assembled a staff uh, that I had a lot of history with. Um, so uh, my staff, uh, my staff is made up. My assistant coaches, Brandon Dunson is my associate head coach. Um, I I coached Brandon in high school some 17 years ago. So you know, in terms of familiarity, understanding who I am and what my values are, what my standards are, what my expectations are, the type of young man that I like to recruit. I mean, there's no one, no one who understands that better than Brandon. You know, we've, we've had a relationship for almost 20 years. So uh, that's really where it starts. I have a great relationship with Rob Zawe um, on our staff, who worked the last two years at Nevada and Cal State Fullerton. Rob understands. We've been friends. He understands who I am. Same type of thing. There's a high sense of familiar familiarity. And then uh, uh, Robert Williams is my other assistant coach. Robert, I coached ten years ago at UAB, so you know I've I've coached these guys. Uh, I understand them. They understand me. We've been through difficult times. I know how they're going to react in the face of adversity. Uh, I know what type of work ethic they have. Um, and uh, it, it all starts with that. So they have a great, great sense of appreciation for the type of player that would thrive in my program. So they went out and all they did was find great players who fit our culture, who reflected our core values, and who fulfilled our needs from a basketball standpoint. So uh, it's a hell, as, as you outlined, it was a hell of a task and they did a hell of a job.
1: I really like following recruiting. I think once you understand somebody's recruitment story, what happens on the court makes a whole lot of sense. And so, you know, as soon as, you know, like, for example, you get a commit, I try to go watch some tape on and whatnot. And I'm always like, you know, it's it's from some random place where you've never gotten a player before. And you click on it and you're like, wow, this guy can actually really play. How'd they even think to look there? You know what I mean? So I always just think that's kind of interesting, but you're right. Networking your staff and all that. Yeah.
3: No, it's, uh, you know, no stone is unturned. And uh, especially in a situation like we, we came into and, um, you know, before it was all said and done, we had nine scholarships, which were available to us. We, we felt we had to get the mix of uh, the proper mix of experience and, and promise within high school players. And I'll tell you another component that I think really contributed to our success on the recruiting trail this year is you, I, I mentioned the portal earlier. So you have 1,600 names in the portal. And I think a lot of college programs, whether they needed one, two, three guys, four guys, they looked at that portal and they said, gosh, here are guys who have major college experience. You know, We know what they'll do at the college level. Should we pursue someone in the portal with experience at the major college level or should we recruit a high school kid who, where there's a little bit of an unknown or a junior college player for that matter. So I think because so many programs spent their time on the portal and recruited from that, that left some really talented kids in my mind uh, that, that maybe did not get recruited as high of a level that they normally would uh, available to us. You know, uh, Coben Porter, who's a prep school player. Uh, I mean, we're thrilled. We think he's gonna be such a good player in the years to come here. Copeland is Michael Port's little brother, you know? Um, and uh, boy, he's just, he's got a great, great future. We've, we felt the same way. Tevin Smith is, is actually the, the most highly regarded high school player to ever sign here at DU. Uh, Tevin is from Illinois. And, um, uh, you know, in a normal year, you know, I don't know, do, do these players get recruited at a higher level? Do they get recruited at the, uh, at the high major level? Um, uh, I'm glad they didn't. I mean, they are cornerstones for future success for us. For uh, uh, I mean, we think for a long, long time, we, we have three European players. You know, uh, Toko from, you'll, you'll get familiar with these names, Toco from Finland, Felipe from Italy. And last night, uh, one of our players, Pedro, Pedro Lopez San Vicente from the Canary Islands in Spain. And uh, uh, so those are three uh, international players. So you wonder, these are really talented incoming freshmen. And, um, you know, in a normal year, would uh, the international players been recruited differently than they would this year with 1,600 names in the portal? Coach, you talked
2: a little bit about your players and a lot of coaches will adapt at times as far as the style they want to play to their personnel. But it looks, it sounds like you probably had a really a great opportunity to recruit to your style. If we were to ask some coaches after this first run through the, the summit league, what drives you crazy about playing against Jeff's teams? What do you think, you know, what, what do you, what do you really believe that, that, that you sell your guys on as far as style of play? I know everybody wants to, you, you know, but, but what is it that you think is, led to a lot of success or you think will help you, your team experience success in Denver as far as kind of the way you coach your guys?
3: Um, I, I think two areas. I, I think for us to be successful uh, this year, Greg, we need to be real good in two areas. So I, I hope that uh, maybe through, through the first round of conference, opposing coaches would say they're elite level, they are an elite level defensive team, okay? Uh, I would love for that to be the answer. That's our goal. Uh, we feel for us to compete for a league championship, we have to be a lead on the defensive end. Okay. Great team, defensive team. Uh, that would be number one. And in, in, uh, the other one on the other side of the ball would be on the offensive end. That we, we work great together, that we, we play extremely unselfish. We, we, we have great player movement. We have great ball movement. And we get the best shot for the team on every possession. So uh, if, you, if you hear those comments from opposing coaches halfway through the league season, let me know. I'll know we're on the right path. <laughs> You'll
2: feel good. Everybody, Chris, I want to thank you for setting this up. Jeff, I wish you the absolute best. I have a real job I've got to jump on right now. And so thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to, no, to anytime, listen. Anytime,
3: Greg. Uh, uh, it was nice to get to know you. I appreciate what you guys do for the conference. And uh, I, I look forward to talking to you throughout the year. Thanks, gentlemen.
0: So Chris, a quick question for you, um, a person that's been around the University of Denver program, and I don't want to uh, get into to bad things about past or, uh, staffs or anything like that, but you, you, as before we started, you were talking about just the excitement around this team and what you've seen that's different. If I'm, if I'm a University of Denver basketball fan, what, what might I see different this year that, that will really get me excited about the future of this team?
4: um yeah i would say like what you're gonna see is you're gonna see a significant improvement in overall talent on the roster um i've I've made it clear in the past with people that like this is the first time in the six years i've worked at the university of denver that i've seen real point like for sure i don't have to worry about is there a real point guard on here where you have someone just playing that position in the past i think there's at least two of them on there like i mean people are going to get excited watching kj kj hunt run the point and run this offense and I mean, there's there's just so many things to be encouraged about. I mean, Jordan Johnson, people aren't talking about him. He's gone under the radar. He's the first JUCO All-American that's ever signed with the University of Denver. I promise you, he runs a really smooth game and he can really shoot the ball and just seems to have a natural feel for playmaking. Um, Tevin Smith is, I, I, from what I've seen so far of him and everything I've seen, he's, he's the highest rated recruit we've ever signed at a high school here. Uh, I, I tell people who've asked, like, what about him, like, who have kind of made – reference to it, I'm like, he, he reminds me a lot of a guy who currently just had success in the, in the NBA summer league in a day murky, but I think he's a lot farther along, um, than a day was as a freshman, like mentally and physically, and, and just with his physical gifts. But I mean, we all know how a day turned out by the very end of his, his career there. Like he, he is, he was a very good player and now he's enjoying success playing uh, in the NBA, like trying to pursue a professional career. But overall, I just, I just think this team is, is going to be they're going to play very hard and it's going to be a very fun product and they're going to push transition. Like, I know that's kind of cliche with any team that's in Denver, but you're going to see it here and you're going to see a team that is going to run teams out of the gym if they're not ready for it.
1: It's an interesting point, you know, obviously being in Denver, you know, and having those back-to-back games, that could be a factor in that second game, no doubt about it. And I I think the, the most exciting thing about this whole thing is, all those things that you're talking about you used to take most programs two, three, four years to do with t- t- today's college basketball. It's one year, bam, hit the reset button. We're hitting the ground running. That's sort of the upside in this whole transfer portal deal, um, which could be a whole nother podcast, but uh, it- it's-, it's interesting to see how you guys are just sort of <clears throat> leaving those stone left on turn, like you guys are saying, and just quickly flipping the switch on it. And so maybe that kind of leads us into the next thing is like, okay, so you bring all these players in, um, they can all play. How do you sort of bring it all together? How are you guys developing the culture that you guys want? I mean, I, I always get a kick out of hearing stories of, you know, you're bringing in the Navy SEALs and you're sending them through workouts, or you have some specific program or like whatnot, like how are you guys bringing these guys together so that they're this great team instead of individuals come this winter?
3: Um, you know, to answer your question, Zach, uh, I mean, it's a journey that's, that's what the journey is all about. You know, people talk about the, the destination and the journey and, uh, the, the journey is the most rewarding and, uh, uh, you know, it's people, it's the staff investing in the players at a high level. Um, it's, it's building relationships. It's the players investing in each other. The players, the, the word investment is one of our core values. And, you know, when when I talk to players about that, I say, you know, we're going we're gonna to ask you to invest in the coaches at a high level. We're going to invest in you probably a higher level than you've ever experienced before. We're concerned about you, not just as basketball player, but as a student and as a person. And we want you to invest in yourself. You know, honestly, you know, the and accountability is another one of the core values. And of course, the accountability piece of it is, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable. The game is going to hold you accountable. And uh, I've always thought and I've communicated to our team that, you know, if if I hold you accountable, we have an opportunity to be a good basketball team. If you hold yourselves accountable, uh, now we have a chance to be a, a great team. So Um, To answer your question, uh, it's it's a process, and and I think we have five core values, and we talk about them and we teach to them every day. We bring them up, and um, uh, we want our players to reflect these core values in all they do on the court, off the court, in the community, in the classroom. Uh, They understand that this is extremely important to us. Um, I think a big piece of this is that we've been able to attract high character, high integrity, young men. We have similar values, uh, similar standards, similar expectations, uh, principles. And, um, and I think that, that piece of it, when you bring nine new players together and you have four, six remaining players, uh, because the values are similar, the standards and, and, and all of those things, you know the, the camaraderie and the chemistry happened pretty quickly with our group this summer. Which, uh, which was really exciting to see. Uh, I thought it would happen quickly and, and it ex- exceeded my expectations.
1: I think the thing that you said that really stuck out to me is the fact that it is a journey. And last year, that was very much the case. There are a couple programs that are pretty far along in their journey, pretty close to the end of their journey. Right. Um, but Oral Roberts, more than anybody last year, it was a journey for them. And we saw them take some twists and turns throughout the course of the year, but in, in a one bid league, it's all about getting to that peak at the end, not necessarily peaking early. It doesn't matter if you're ready, made right off the start. It's all about that conference tournament. And so not only coming together during the summer, but building as every week goes past and just making the adjustments, I think is really going to be fun to watch. It's really entertaining for us to be able to watch every
0: game really closely to see those developments happen. So, so Zach and, and coach, there's a reason why in my regular job, they would never make me timekeeper. And, uh, the world of zoom apparently is helping me understand, uh, cause I have to, need to either upgrade to pro or we're going to end in about 40 seconds. So, um, we'll, we'll just take that as a divine intervention that we should, we'll, we'll wrap up the interview, but we appreciate you guys so much, uh, for taking the time and telling us a little bit more about Denver and look forward to the rest of the season.
3: You no, know, uh, Todd and Zach, great to meet you, and, and again, thank you for all you do to bring attention to the the Summit League and all of its uh, teams.
0: All right, well, great. That like like we said earlier, great interview, uh, great guy to talk to. Excited about what Coach Wilburn will bring to the league. I think it's the second straight year with a hire that that will lift the league as a whole and and bring competitive balance to the league, which is great. We wanted to end today's initial podcast with a little bit of talk about the three teams that are mentioned most often as the top three teams in the league. And we have a unique situation where all three of us think a different one of those teams is best set to be the top team. Or at least we're pretending that three of us did. I guess (laughs) I didn't ask for sure. But uh, so Zach is, is going to talk to us about South Dakota State. And how he feels they're the best set to to win the league. Uh, Greg is going to talk about North Dakota State and how they're best set, and I am going to talk about Oral Roberts. I think every national publica- publication and anyone you ask around the league will say those three teams are the three teams to beat. Um, so just starting out, Greg, and then we'll as we do this, the the other two of us can chime in why we think the person is 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 not right or losing it or whatever. And, uh, and then we'll each take turns kind of going through wh- why each team is bested up. So let's start with North Dakota state.
2: Well, first of all, you guys always have ammunition to talk to me about why I'm losing it and, <laughs> or why I'm wrong. And so uh, I respect that. I, I, I love talking, talking about you guys with this stuff, but I'll tell you what about Dave Richmond and, and what he has compiled at North Dakota state. Um, you look at Grant Nelson. You look at Rocky Cruiser. Look at Sam Greasel, uh, Tyree Eady, uh and 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 the rest of the group that are coming back. It's really impressive. And then you throw some amazingly impactful freshmen into the equation. Dave Richmond is going to put some teams on the floor with length of six ten, six ten, six nine six, 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 five, have all the positions accounted for. And, and I think when you look at what Dave Richmond emphasizes is, is, their ability to defend in the half court, uh, multiple positions, be able to switch up, stay in front of people, their ability to defend with that length is going to be impressive. And, and, uh, the, the toughness that they bring back, um, in so many different positions, I I'm excited to watch it unfold. I, I love what Eric Henderson has done at South Dakota State because he has such a uh, an amazing uh, level of talent down there. My only question with South Dakota State is can David Wilson stay healthy? You know what I'm saying? And, and I love the guy. The guy's, you know, w- when he's on his game, he's a player of the year in the Summer League. Uh, but I, I look at the compilation of what David's put together uh, at North Dakota State, it's going to be extremely entertaining to watch this team play, Um, not only defensively, which I think is their strength, but their ability offensively. I mean, we all remember uh, uh, the Nelson kid against Kansas and what he could do on the floor at 6'10", and I think he continues to grow and get bigger and more skilled, and then combine that with all the returning talent for North Dakota State. uh, It's going to be enjoyable to watch, And, and you talked about it, Todd. You've got ORU with all their returning talent. And 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 and, and Zach's gonna talk about South Dakota State with their returning talent, which has been the preseason conference favorite for numerous years. Um, that all of that combined with the, the COVID super senior and everybody being able to come back and 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 I'll tell you what, what, what Summit basketball fans love, it, it's gonna be on steroids this year. Yeah. With all the talent in this league. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, North Dakota State, with what they have coming back, they're going to be a really difficult out in the semi-league. Can't wait to watch it
1: unfold. Yeah, so the, the way I'm kind of seeing it, you know, NDSU, they have the power, right? They have the power. They have the physicality. They have the rebounding. Probably going to be very good defensively. Uh, Oral Roberts, they have the skill, right? They, they're going to have no shortage of shooters. Uh, They brought a couple more in this year. They have the conference player of the year. He's going to be the conference preseason player of the year. He's probably going to be the conference player of the year at the end of the year. We know where everything's going to go. We know that uh, what the focus of the defense has to be. Uh, But to me, South Dakota State sort of has the best of both worlds, right? Uh, They have the skill set. Baylor Sharman, one of the most skilled players in the league. I believe Noah Friedel is uh, back and locked in. And when he is playing well, this team is completely different. This team can shoot it as well as Or Roberts. I really believe that. When they have David Winget out there, when they have Baylor Shireman, when they have Noah Friedel, heck, even Alex Arians, um, and and then their front court is is fine too. You know, you have Matt Detlinger, who admittedly has taken a little step back in terms of his. Statistical production, but he's no less uh, valuable to this team, incredibly valuable to have a guy like that on the floor. And then, oh, by the way, the conference player of the year that everybody's kind of forgotten about, which is Douglas Wilson. You know, uh, it, I, I feel like Earl Roberts is the flavor, was the flavor of the month last You know, they, they caught fire, they caught lighting in a bottle, they wrote it all the way to what probably should have been the lead eight. Uh, NDSU, I think everybody's expecting them to be right there, but I just see. A little bit more well balanced team with South Dakota State. Uh, a little bit more skilled guard play. A little bit more ability to create a, create a shot. That's why I think they have a little edge on both of those two teams. Is they're a little bit more well rounded. Maybe a little bit more skilled than NDSU. Maybe a little bit more powerful and, and with with their defense and rebounding than Earl Roberts. Hey, hey Todd, I know yeah. you're gonna talk, but before you do, <laughs> you
2: know what? And I, I'm guessing the three of us, Zach will probably prove me wrong. I don't know if there's a more unique player in the league than Baylor Shireman. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, that kid, what he can do. And, and he has limited athleticism and the dude has been mentioned in some NBA draft, you know, projections What that guy. I don't know if there's a more versatile dynamic player in the league than Baylor Shireman. And uh, I'm really intrigued to see what he brings to the league this year, and and how he finds a way to up his game. So I didn't mean to step on you, uh, but I'll tell you what—that guy's going to be fun to watch.
1: Wasn't he like second or third in the league in rebounds last year?
0: Yeah, (laughs) nine point point two sticks in my head for some reason. And
1: and I yeah, and and I actually, you know, we did a little bit. I think going into I think the last game at halftime. We kind of did like my postseason awards. I had him as my conference defensive player of the year. And I know like he's not I I, because like he's not, you know, he's obviously not gonna lead the conference in blocks, but like my version of defensive player of the year is who do I want on my team to build my defensive route? He can guard one through four easily. Yeah, he may not get the most deals, but I want him on the floor. You can't take him off the floor for any reason. You can't take him off the floor. And he didn't put his name in the transfer portal. That was why I disqualified the last year's defensive player of the year. That's why I didn't have him. But, uh, I, shoot, you can throw him on anybody, and he's just as good defensively as he is offensively.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't argue about the skill with South Dakota State. The size and really skill. I, I, this is like splitting hairs, but I think the least skillful of the three teams is North Dakota State. That doesn't mean they're not the best. Just means they're they're maybe the least individually skillful team. Um, What I can take umbrage with is that Oral Roberts caught lightning in a bottle. They did, but how they caught lightning in a bottle is easily replicate. They can replicate it this year. And the why I say that is they did not outshoot Florida. They did not outshoot Arkansas. I can't even remember who they won in the first round. That um, they, they did, It fair. wasn't shooting that got... And now, of course, they can shoot. We all know they can shoot. What happened in the Summit League tournament and what happened in the NCAA tournament is they defended their rear ends off. And if that team returns, even without Kevin O'Banner, they can win the league again. They bring in Trey Phipps and uh, Isaac McBride, two Power 5 uh, guards that can shoot the ball. Uh, Coach Mills talks about the defense that McBride brings to the to the table. And what is unique from last year's Oral Roberts team and then carries over to this this year's team from maybe the last two, three years before that is guys that fit their roles perfectly. Kareem Thompson, that third scorer, second, third scorer, he may be even the second scorer this year. But his willingness with his six seven six eight uh as a guard to be able to rebound and defend, he... He brings that back. Francis Latsis, who will defend, um, get get rebounds, do the little things. Uh, DJ Weaver, who will do a lot of the same thing. He he went from a perimeter-oriented guy, and then suddenly in the tournament, he's guarding these these guys that are 6'10, 6'11 down low against Florida. The the reason why I think they can repeat is if they remember what got them to the sweet 16. This is a talent, it's as talented a team, even without Kevin O'Banner as South Dakota State. Now, if that, if they can replicate that, that's a whole different question. And the only thing that I would maybe say with both North Dakota State and South Dakota State, if you go to their arenas in Summit League, Summit League play, it's going to be packed to the rafters and the maybe center changed from gold seats to Navy blue seats. Um, in the offseason, but if people don't sit on them, they're still empty regardless of the color. And and I know it was COVID and and there was different um, restrictions in different areas and every state handled it differently. But the home court advantage in for uh, Oral Roberts has not been the same the last few years that it has been for North, North Dakota State and South Dakota State. And you're going to go to everybody's arena this year. And uh, maybe even a challenge to Oral Roberts fans, like if you want to be what you were, you need a home court advantage that the other teams are going to have as well. And so that's why I mean, I'm i not just doing this for this part of the podcast. I picked Oral Roberts to win the league. Uh, Max Aismas, according to, to Coach Mills, is faster, stronger, um, quicker, all of those things put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. I can't remember what he said. He obviously got some feedback in the in the draft process that he took seriously. And I think we're coming back with, if that's even possible to have a more dangerous Max Asmus than we did last year. And if the, the transfers play their role and Sir Isaac Heron, a, a freshman who is considered the most athletic big that they've got and maybe that they've had in a while, they've got this way of finding these freshmen that come in and contribute right away. That's why I feel Aura Roberts has a, a, as good a shot as any of winning the league. Todd, you make Todd, some
2: great points. And, and, uh, and, you know, I think both Zach and I will agree. Max A. Smith is amazingly special. And I think, I think maybe that and, – and, and we talked about this with, with the Coach Mills interview that will appear later on in our podcast how impressed he is with how good he is at making his teammates better. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden we're hearing about a better version of Max Acemas coming back to the summer league this year. <laughs> That's kind got to scare every coach in the league. And, and we all know, you know, what, 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 you know, just the location of ORU, their ability to bring in some impactful recruits. So, uh don't disagree with anything that you talked about uh, uh as far as your forecast of what why or are you is a legitimate contender in the summer league it's going to be so much fun to watch and 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 i and the other thing i'll say is it's so much more of a reason so for so many fans to get to games right It you know when, when these teams come to your community and to you, and to your institution get out and watch them this is going to be some fantastic basketball this, this uh, upcoming season in the summit league.
1: Yeah. If last year did nothing else, it highlighted how high of a level of play the summit league is. I mean, we've been chatting about, okay, so what's the path? At what point do we, does this conference become a two bid league? I mean, honestly, you know, they're going to have to win some obvious non-conference games, things like that. But if they continue to have success in the NCAA tournament, you know, they were not, Oral Roberts was not outmatched by Ohio state or Florida. They were not, they belong there. You're hundred percent right, Todd. It's not like they shot 60% from a three point line. They just played their game and beat them. Matter of fact, they actually didn't even shoot all that well. And they finished fourth in the conference in the regular season. So, I mean, that just goes to show you, you know, it's, it's interesting in a lot of these interviews with these coaches, they talked about putting together a schedule. And I think some of these coaches in this conference, they're starting to have a hard time putting together their schedule because, It's like, all right, we want to bring you in. You know, these power five schools are looking at, we want to bring you in, but we also want to beat you. We don't want to bring you in and lose, you know? And so there's maybe a little hesitation there. Maybe they can find somebody else that's a little bit, a little bit more of a sure win. So, I mean, interesting stuff. We're up to 10 teams. We have some rhythm to the schedule. We can probably release the podcast and, 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 you know, the, the, in a rhythm and a cadence, And uh, I just, I want to tell everybody out there that we just appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting. And I think this is kind of starting to turn into something that we all wanted in that, like, look, this isn't a pedestal for us or anything like that. This is just to shine a light on the conference. And we're going to be doing more interviews this year with coaches and players, probably trying to have one on almost every single week if we can pull it off. But we want to hear more from them and maybe a little less from us. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We know we have a lot of fun with it. I uh, hope you guys are having fun too. Any feedback that you guys can have, tell us why we're wrong, right? It's not fun to tell us why we're right. Tell us why we're wrong, debate a little bit. We can bat this stuff around a little bit. Let's have some fun with it.
0: Yeah, well said, Zach. And, and like Zach said, part of the good part with NIL, I think we can at least have more conversations with players about doing things that that we wouldn't be able to do before. And, and like Zach said, to have – players on different, different people in the league, I think will just enhance what we're doing here. Um, and I appreciate even players have reached out and said, thank you for, for what we do and, and what we're, we're trying to put together here. It, it, it's really exciting for us. It It's yeah, a blast to do. So we appreciate the feedback, both good and bad. I, we want to be better too. So we're not, we're not afraid of hearing feedback that could help us do this, this better either.
2: Absolutely Todd. And by the way, Um, you know, both, I'm speaking for Zach, which will irritate him beyond belief that I'm speaking (laughs) for him. Um, You do a great job with this. And, and if any player wants to come on here, we'll give him like nine or 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I think we've got that much in the bank, right? And, but at the same time, I'm ecstatic about the upcoming season and and I think the reason I'm ecstatic about it is because we've, we've all been through 18 months of, of heck, of, of, of frustration, of, of, of irritation. And what we have coming up the next season, this upcoming season, is, is so exciting. And, and this could be one of the best, best seasons of Summit League basketball, without question. Yeah. And with the new coaches, the new infusion of talent, and super seniors and all that stuff, it's going to be it's going to be a, really a joy to be a part of, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, legitimately, those top three teams can be top 150 net teams. They yeah. legitimately can, and I, we haven't seen that before. Not that much talent, especially that deep. You, you know, top obviously some South South Dakota State teams were just incredible, and even North Dakota State and South Dakota State have been really good at different times. But three going on. I'll give you a prediction right now. November sixth, going to Williams Arena is Kansas City. They're going to beat the Gophers. That there's a legitimate, real chance. First game with the new coach. It's a good team that beats the heck out of you. I will be there because it's not far for me. And you, I'll even wear a KC hat. I'll buy one. But uh, that, yeah, that's Why my. Why the heck
1: prediction. did they schedule Kansas City as their first game? I don't know. I can think of about three hundred other teams I'd rather play as my <laughs> yep. first game as a new head coach in Kansas City. It's not fun to play them.
0: Yeah, and and that goes to your scheduling point too, Zach. Like it's, you know, yep. it, there's no, unfortunately, there's not a lot of benefit for Minnesota to to play a tough team at home at, at, in the non-conference and mm-hmm. and and especially one that's not going to to you know be top one fifty net that type of thing. And it just, mm-hmm. yeah, that goes to your point. And, yep. and
2: guys, it just emphasizes our our interview with Coach Mills when he talked about what the Summit league needs to do as far as scheduling and becoming a, a multi bit league, and 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 and, and scheduling non division ones as opposed to you know the, those bottom the, the bottom division one teams for for right. uh, preseason scheduling. So I think it's. Uh, I, I just love the fact that we had this conversation tonight. I love the fact that it leads into what some further conversation we're going to have throughout the course of the season and the preseason. Uh, love enjoy, I, I love visiting with you guys and, and and talking about what the Summit League is really going to be about this season.
0: Awesome. Well, with that, we will wrap up. We We went a little long today, but that's all right. First episode, first of the year, which been seven months or whatever, since we've gotten to talk about it. Yeah, um, a lot of
1: built up energy.
0: Yeah, yes. Well, I can barely sit still right now. So it's it's pretty clear. Uh, but I appreciate you guys. And, and Greg, I appreciate the kind words that we we do the best we can. And this is just a blast. So I don't, yeah, if, if it's good or bad, you're in between, get to have fun with it. So, um, but, and thank you all for listening and tell people, rate us on, on, apple and all that stuff people find it by accident better that way um we'd prefer you rate us high but rate us either way and uh and uh again we'll see you next week
1: and if there's a sponsor out there you got three of the best salesmen you've ever seen in your life if you need any eskimos that need snow just let us know Thanks, we be happy guys. to do Love that. We, and then we could do some fun stuff with it. Obviously, it wouldn't be going into our pocket. It'd be going towards maybe some players and doing some fun stuff with that.
0: So, Yep. Yeah. All right. Till next week.